0: I think the fun thing about not turning your mic on, and maybe I'm just going to throw it out there, maybe we do it on purpose. Sometimes I like watching the guys in the sound booth do jumping jacks in the back. (laughs) It's it's pretty fun. Next time I'll see how long it goes before they yell, hey. Uh, Real quick, two quick announcements. One, we are ramping up, getting ready for the fall for Kingdom Kids. Um, We are still looking to fill some spots in our scheduling for teaching for helpers, for whatever, security, whatever it is. If you've taken the training, even if you haven't taken the training and you want to get involved, you can take the training. It's available. Uh, but we'd love to uh, add some volunteers to our ministry team. So if you're thinking, you know what, I've, I've been waiting to get involved, now's the time. The good thing about waiting until the fall, and Jody's not here to hear me say this, is you don't have to worry about the heat. So... Get ready. The fall is going to be awesome. Also, also tonight, uh, I talked with my friend, Pastor Sean. Some of you know him. You've met him. He's spoken here. He's our uh, president of the school board, chairman of the school board. Um, they have a really awesome event happening at their church tonight. He texted me last night and said, hey, we got a bunch of free tickets available, Announce it at your church. Tonight, they have a performer coming named Jamie Kimmet." Um, Some of you might know who that is. Some of you might not. He has a a, a big radio hit. Um, Ben knows. I can't remember how it goes. The prize worth fighting for. Ashley and I had a chance to see him a couple years back in Port Jervis in a very similar setting. So you guys are all invited to a free concert tonight over on Shut Road at Cornerstone. Um, if you want more details, see me after, but get out of the heat, come enjoy some worship, enjoy some time fellowshipping, maybe with some of us here and some folks from Cornerstone and other churches, but we'd love to have you come be a part of that. We'll be there. I don't know if anybody else in our congregation is planning on going, but um, it's a free concert in the middle of summer when it's hot. You can come and hang out in an air-conditioned building and sing and, and be restored and, and enjoy that. So uh, that's it for my announcements. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to this morning. We're a little out of order. Pastor Dennis is away. I have no idea. Yep. So it's six-ish, seven-ish. See me after. I'll pull it up. I didn't reserve the tickets. My wife did. So um, she doesn't know either. We don't know. But on their Facebook page, uh, if you go to Cornerstone Corner, 6 p.m. 6 p.m. at Cornerstone on Shut Road. If you don't know how to get there, it's really easy. Just see me after and we'll go 6 p.m. So, Sean, if you're watching this, sorry. Um, Pastor Dennis is away this weekend. We're out of order. My title is, my sermon title is out of order because we're out of order in the Sermon on the Mountain. And then next week we're going to be out of order because Ben was supposed to preach this morning. Pastor Ben was supposed to be up here talking about anxiety, Um, but he's not. And then he's away next weekend. So, Pastor Dennis, we're going to be working backwards. Which I think is kind of cool. So we're going to be jumping into the middle of chapter 7. And then next week we'll be working backwards towards the beginning of chapter 7. And the following week, backwards into chapter 6. And then I have no idea where we'll end up from there. But yeah, I know. And then it'd take me, because I had to get all mixed up and crazy in scheduling. So, But we're going to have some fun. We're going to have some fun this morning. So again, uh, out of order. Which, because of that, the staffing stuff and being around, but it it kind of fits with this passage. Because this passage, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12, it kind of feels out of order in this whole sermon. It's um, an interesting kind of backtracking to some of the things that Jesus has already taught about. We've we gone through everything to get to this point. Chapter 7 is is interesting in itself because it it opens and it starts talking about judging others. And then Jesus starts talking about dogs and pigs. And then he's like, let's go back to prayer. So I'm going to invite you this morning to stand as uh, we read this. If you have a study Bible or if you have uh, anything with notes in it or if you've taken some survey classes, this is actually where Jesus starts closing the Sermon on the Mount. So, it's that solid, like, preacher closing where it's like, and, and, and finally, but it's not finally because there's still like four or five more points. So, we're going to start with the finally. I'm going to invite you this morning to read this together and then we're going to pray. This is what it says It says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or what person is there among you when his son asks for a loaf of bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he not give him a snake, will he? So if you, despite being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. Let's pray. Father. We're grateful again this morning to be here, to sing, um, to look forward with expectation that there's something happening here at Harmony. God, we want to be a part of it. We want to feel the Spirit. We want the Spirit in our lives. We want to wrestle with those things that you want us to wrestle with, both as individuals and as a church. God, we want your vision. We want your kingdom heart. So this morning, God, I just pray that you would uh, remove our distractions, open our ears, open our hearts, open our minds. God, that we would we would hear, we would be challenged, and we would continue to see there is uh, something different about citizens of the kingdom, something different about the way we're supposed to live, something different about the things we're supposed to desire, something different about the way we're supposed to to treat and interact with and love other people. So God, help us this morning as we, we break into your word, that we would leave here challenged and encouraged and refreshed in order to serve you better. We ask these things in your name. Amen. So gifts are an important part of life. You can be seated. Thank you. Gifts are an important part of life. Um, the love language book, I don't know if you're familiar with it, gift giving is actually one of the, the love languages that we have as people. And that's one of my love languages. I like giving and I like receiving gifts. And what I've come to find in life is that most everybody is in either one or on some level in both of those categories. I've never met someone where I've said, hey, do you like giving gifts? And they're like, no, I hate it. Do you like receiving gifts? No, nope, absolutely hate it. I hate Christmas. I hate my birthday. I hate anything that has to do with... So we we have an understanding. We have a, a, a natural kind of thing about us. It might not be our favorite thing. It might not be number one on the list. But we're all probably in this room comfortable with giving and receiving gifts and understanding what those are. And Jesus is wrapping this concept of, of giving and receiving around another important element in this sermon. And that's the element of prayer or petitioning God. It feels out of order. It feels out of order. Going back into chapter 6, Jesus had a whole lot to say about prayer. Don't pray like the hypocrites. Pray in secret. He gives us a model of prayer through the the Lord's Prayer. And then he moves on to other spiritual uh, formation elements like fasting and giving and serving. And then we move into here and we're back to prayer. We're back to petitioning God. So there's three things that jump right off the page when we first start looking at it. And these three things, they're found right in the beginning of this passage. Matthew 7, verses 7 through 8, it says, "...ask and it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock, it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened." And there's, uh, something really unique about these verses because it's, it's kind of like a call back to things that Jesus has already talked about in prayer, but it's also like this nod forward to what's remaining in this chapter, what's, what's remaining in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount as he's moving into this conclusion to say, this is, this is a reminder of, of what we spoke about, and this is going to prepare you for what comes next. Which is important for us to understand because for the last couple of months we've been wrestling with the Sermon on the Mount. Some have said it's like getting hit week in and week out with a sledgehammer. It's like taking a small bite out of an elephant every week. So if if there was a significance to Jesus preparing his disciples and those in the background that were listening to this sermon, that means there's a significance for us as a church that at some point Jesus is going to close his sermon, Pastor Dennis, Pastor Ben, myself, we're going to close this series and we're going to go, okay, now what? What's the next step? What are we being prepared for? what were the disciples being prepared for how does this impact our lives our families lives our church lives our community lives so all of these are important and here's here's why it's important because these words this idea of ask seek and knock they're not suggestion words this is an, an imperative it's a command it's a direction jesus is is giving us three specific things he's saying ask and that's real simple it's asking it's making requests, it's making petition, it's, it's, it's like, ask. We want something, or we need something, or we have a desire for something. Jesus says, ask. The next is seek, and, and it's an intentional looking, but it's a little more different than that simple idea of like looking for that shoe, or looking for your, your matching sock. When it's used in this verse, it's, it's linked to this element of looking, searching, seeking out truth. It's that philosophical searching. It's, there's, there's something, there's a moral absolute. What is it? What are we seeking for? The best possible maybe illustration is true, true crime documentaries. They just go full bore until they find the answer. Right, wrong, or indifferent. I don't know if, if anybody's seen the D.B. Cooper thing. It's a little bit of a slow burn, started kind of like, okay. But by the end of it, you're like, I know who D.B. Cooper is. Oh my gosh, how do we not know this? The signs were all there. Listen, I know there's confirmation bias, I get that. But that's the mindset. If you're not familiar with it, it's not going to spoil anything. The uh, private investigator, it's like this is like his life work. Seeking the truth. There's a commitment to it. There's an intention to it. It's not just like, eh, if I find it, I find it. If not, it's no big deal. It's, I'm not going to stop until I get to the end. It's an important thing. Jesus also says, knock. Knocking. We want to enter or we want something open. Now, again, this is a little bit different than just walking up and knocking on a door. Because there's a relational element to this, like hospitality. Hospitality. There's an expectation of, of fellowship. Think about the difference when you go to like knock on a family member's door, that feeling, or a friend that you haven't seen in a while, and and you you can't wait for them to open the door. You're looking forward to the fellowship. You're looking forward to whatever's going to happen, or maybe you're like, oh, another holiday. I don't know, but it's different than when you go up and you quietly knock on a stranger's door because you want to let them know like their cat's running around the yard. You're like, oh, well, they're not home. There's there's a difference here. And in Scripture, the only thing really that you can really kind of look to compare it to is is that portion of Revelation chapter 3 where they're writing the letters to the churches and there's that one little caveat to the Laodicean church where, where Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. And if you open, I'll come in, I'll eat with you, I'll sup with you, I'll fellowship with you. And so many times, that's like the salvation verse. And in context, it's a relational element of fellowship That Jesus is seeking from this church body, from these people who have loved God, who have done amazing things for God, but they lost their way. And Jesus is saying, I'm knocking at the door. I want a fellowship with you, but you you, you don't want a fellowship with me. So we're, we're kind of flipping roles here where Jesus is instructing us. He's saying, listen, ask. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Ask. Seek. Look for these truths, Look for the absolutes. Look for the reality of who God is, and knock. hey, get ready for an experience of fellowship and sometimes we we teach our children we don 't ask for things. Like if you have small children, you go to someone 's house for dinner don 't ask for anything don 't just whatever 's on your plate don 't ask for ketchup, just eat it. just. Right? Or maybe you have kids. I have a a very special little girl, and this is her opening line. Well, I was going to ask, but I already know what you're going to say. So, like, well, ask anyway. Like, let's hear it. And then I'm like, well, no, I knew you were going to say that. Well, (laughs) so, but there's elements that, that Jesus is building here in these commands. He's commanding us to do these things. He's saying, listen, there are gifts available to you they're available ask seek them out because here's here's what we learn from this command when we are actively involved in this process when we're actively involved in this process of petitioning god you are rewarded let's look at some examples in scripture Philippians chapter 4 says rejoice in the Lord always again I will say rejoice let your gentle spirit be known to all people the Lord is near do not be anxious about anything but what does Paul write but in everything by prayer and pleading with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God whatever it is he's saying ask Paul's furthering this teaching ask Matthew chapter 6.33, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided. What are we seeking? We're seeking the kingdom of God. We're seeking the things of God. We're seeking after God's righteousness, those moral attributes, those moral absolutes that we want to build into our life, that we can look at it and say, there's truth to this. Knocking. I used Hebrews 4.16, just that part. Let's approach the throne of grace with confidence. There's a boldness, there's a a relational element to to Jesus saying, "You, you have access to the Father, use it. Here's three specific ways, and they're easy. On the surface level, we understand what it means to ask, and we understand what it means to seek, and we understand what it means to knock. Jesus isn't trying to make this big theological, doctrinal element of statement. He's just saying simply, ask, seek, and knock. The other cool thing about this is there's no, like, specific order. Like, I have to ask, and then I have to wait to get an answer, and then I seek, and then I knock. He just says, pick one. Because he says, the one who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, it's opened. So just pick something. Be intentional. God wants us to be intentional in how we interact with him. Just like we want our kids to be intentional with how they interact with us. We're going to see later how this links to interacting with others. But Jesus not only says that we receive them, we find the doors are open, he goes further and he gives an illustration which. Really, it's a cool illustration because there's nothing to really dig in and out of it. There's no big, deep spiritual truth. He just says this, and snakes and scorpions is the next point. Matthew chapter 7, verse 9 and 11. He says, Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to get good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Jesus just simply says, here, let me illustrate this for you. If your son asks for bread, are you going to give him a stone? If they ask for fish, are you going to give him a snake? If, you're, if you, as fallen, sinful people, know how to do good things, it's, it's easy. What more is God going to do? So that's a real basic illustration. Again, there's not a whole lot. There's cultural elements that, that they would have understood or, 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 or different things in, in that, that mindset of, well, what's it mean to be a bread and stone? Maybe it's our, our daily needs, sustenance. Maybe it's comfort. Maybe, maybe it's whatever that fits into that category. But the point that Jesus is trying to make is this. If you who are evil, if you can do this, how much more will God provide for us? How much more does God offer blessing when we ask? Because that leads us to this whole idea of good things. But it also opens up this different question What kinds of gifts is Jesus talking about? What exactly are these good things? Jesus says, if you ask for bread, you're not going to get a stone. Is it about food? Is it about health? Is it about wealth? Is it about riches? Is it about my job? Well, context is always a funny thing. Because we could pull this out and we could say, articles I've read at your birthday, just ask. Jesus is just waiting to give you everything, just ask him. Imagine that. Imagine what spoiled, rotten children we would be. But that would also make God a liar because Jesus prayed fervently in the garden, take this, come for me. And God said, no. So what is it then? What is it? So let's look at some of our earlier Sermon on the Mount points that we've wrestled with, that we've been hit in the face with, that we've been trying to eat and digest. Here's some of the things that Jesus has already said to kind of build on this point of context. Going back to the beginning, Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Jesus says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus continued, therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your uh, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. And Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Since he'll hate one and love the other, he'll despise one, or devoted to one, despise the other, you can't serve God in money. In this verse we've read already once, we've heard it a number of times, "Seek first the kingdom of God, and His righteousness, and all these things will be provided to you. I think, I think we get the point. So then if it's not about, I need more money in my bank account, I need a better car, I need A, B and C." It, it, would it be foolish to overlook the fact that God meets our needs? he does i don't think that's in question and i'm not entirely sure that jesus has to continually make that point because if you're looking through the old testament it's very clear that god meets the physical needs of his people whether it's through manna or quail or being led out into the desert to sit by a brook and take a nap and have some dinner delivered airmail whatever it is god meets our physical needs so is this something more i think it is again the mistake we make is thinking, this is all about the temporary. Nothing about the Sermon on the Mount is the temporary. It's all a bigger picture. It's all, you've heard but I say. It's all, you've learned this, but now let's look at it from this perspective. And this is really no different. If anything, it's a reminder to measure our wants and our needs according to God's standards. It's God understanding this. And we sang that song this morning. There's nothing better than you. It's not about God providing better things. We know he does that. It's about coming to the realization. Jesus is clear. God is the best at providing all things. All things. All means all. So how do we sort out... What the good things are. Luke provides a little extra insight into this teaching. If you're familiar with the book of Luke, Luke chapter 11. You don't have to turn there. It's going to pop up on the board in a minute. But Luke actually attaches this portion of Jesus' teaching directly to the Lord's Prayer. Which is interesting because Matthew doesn't. Maybe Luke fell asleep. Then he woke up. He's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Or Peter, rather, because uh, he, he got his information from other people. Maybe it, just, it was something that clicked. It was how Peter wrote his notes, and he drew circles and draw back to this. I, 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 really, I really don't know. And I don't really necessarily think it's significant to know the specific reason. Why does Luke attach it here, but Matthew writes it here? I think what it says is, this is important for us to understand, because it's here, and it's still attached to prayer, and it's still attached to petitioning, and it's still attached to God meeting our needs. So after the Lord's Prayer in the book of Luke, he records another hypothetical illustration. I'm going to read to you the nearly inspired Pastor Timmy paraphrase. Save a little bit of time. It says, suppose this. Suppose Mike, Mike goes to Jay's house because they're friends. They know each other. And Mike goes to Jay's house and, and he knocks on the door and he says, Hey, listen, Jay, um, I need like three or four days worth of food. Listen, Pastor Tim just got back from vacation, and he came over, and I get it, it's late, it's midnight, and Jay's like, yeah, it is midnight. Mike, it's midnight, it's dark out, the door's locked, the kids are in bed, are you out of your mind? And Mike's like, well, yes, but come on, hook me up. Mike just keeps knocking, keeps knocking, keeps knocking, Jay's like, Mike, come on, Seriously. The neighbors are now yelling out the door. Hey, keep it down out there. It's after midnight. I'm going to call the police. So finally, Jay gets up out of bed. He packs three or four shopping bags. He opens the door and he gives it to Mike. He's like, here, get it. Take it. Get out of here. Go. Mike's like, cool, I'll call you tomorrow. Jay's like, don't. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus says this, even if Jay... Even if Jay, who doesn't get up to give Mike anything because of their friendship, at some point, Jay's just going to be fed up. He's going to finally open the door, and he's going to say, take your stuff and go away. This is a compare and contrast thing, because this is another element that's leaked to that hole. If you're this way, imagine how God is. Does that mean God is a grumpy neighbor just waiting for you to knock on the door, and finally he's like, oh, you've been praying long enough, I'm going to give it to you. That's not at all what Jesus is saying. This is just that reminder of if you're a grumpy best friend who's arguing with himself all the way to opening the door, imagine how much better God is at doing these things. And he says, So I say to you, ask, it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, it will be open. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be open. Sounds exactly the same. And Luke continues this. Now, which one of you fathers will his son ask for a fish, and instead of a fish, he'll get a snake? Or if he will ask for an egg, his father will give him a scorpion. Sounds similar. We're on the same boat. But this is what 11.13 says. So if you, despite being evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? What I'm suggesting is the good things are all of the elements that the Holy Spirit brings into our lives. Think for a minute about those things. Think about all the things, the role that the Holy Spirit plays in our lives. Think about how he intercedes on our behalf. Could you imagine what it must be like to have the third member of the Godhead, as Paul writes in Romans, who makes petitions and groans on our behalf and prays for us? Wow! God prays for me! He works as an advocate. He's building these fruits into our lives, this, this peace, this new nature, this, this new attitude, this new person. All things are new. All things are gone. And the Holy Spirit's like, Hey, I want to help you on this journey. Forget being that grumpy neighbor, that, that miserable best friend. I want, I want you to, to live in, in freedom and victory and joy and patience and, and, and all of these elements that, that we have at our disposal. But we go, maybe that's really not for me. pushing us to grow in wisdom and knowledge, deepening our relationship with God. Those are the good things. But look, it's linked to intentionality. It's linked to our intentionality. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus transitions here into his closing thoughts. Basically, his in-conclusion... He says it right in the verse, in everything, therefore... So everything leading up to chapter 7, verse 12, all the way back at the beginning of the 5, the, the the Beatitudes, the teaching about living with each other, the teachings about living in society, the teachings about handling anxiety, and our, our, our personal, individual role in spiritual formation, to how we judge other people, we're going to hear about that next week, to this crazy thing about dogs and pigs, all of this leading up to Jesus saying, therefore, all of these things are necessary to do the following. Treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. Everything that Moses taught about. Everything he tried to drill into the heads of the Israelites. Everything that the prophets. You ever read through the prophets? Whew. That's like a sledgehammer. Everywhere. That's like not just the face. That's like the whole person of you. Everything. The law and the prophets is wrapped up in this. In what? Treating them the way we want to be treated. This means we we are empowered to and should model God's goodness, His love. How? Because when God gives us the good gifts that we really need, the good gifts that we are asking for, the good gifts that we're seeking for, the good gifts that we're knocking for, we are intentional about what? The Holy Spirit change that happens in our lives. We have the power to live this out. We are supernaturally empowered to foster these core attributes of kingdom citizens. It's not on our own. It's not something we have to try to figure out. How am I going to do this? How do I learn to be loving? The Holy Spirit says, I, I do this. I do this with you. We do this together. We're empowered to supernaturally love, to be compassionate, to be generous, to be forgiving, to be grace-filled towards all others. We're given these gifts to, to go and give them away the same way that God gives them to us. Because if that's what we're seeking, we, we want to treat others the way we want to be treated. And we're okay with that most of the time until it comes to, do we want to treat people the way God treats us? Well, I'm not so Sure. But this is everything that Jesus is saying. You're being equipped to do this. You're learning to do this. This is how we do this. Everything that you've learned, everything that you've seen, everything that God is revealing to you, everything that he's revealed through Moses, through the prophets, everything that has been revealed in the person and through the person of Christ is fulfilled in this, loving others. Taking what God has given you and giving it to others. We can try all we want to treat others Like, we want to be treated. But the reality is, without God's grace, without this power of the Spirit working in our lives, it only gets us so far until our wheels are spinning or until they fall off. Because like the neighbor next door at Jay's house who's yelling out the window, I'm going to call the cops. Stop pounding on the door. It would be something if Mike was knocking on Jay's door and the neighbor goes, Hey, I've got four bags of food. And it was given to me. I'm just giving it to you. And Mike's like, I was just asking my friend. I don't know if you know the neighbor or not. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. And the neighbor's like, it was a blessing. I want to bless you. And Mike's like, man, but my friend. See, we can understand that on some level, but it's really the Holy Spirit working in our lives. It's really what's empowering us. That's really what's pushing us. We need the good stuff from God. God. To give away the good stuff to others. And I feel really bad because we're getting ready to close, like, for real. Like, I'm to the point in my notes where I call up the worship team and we get ready to sing and, yeah, for real. Yeah, seriously. I know, you guys are like, wow. This is what happens when I, like, stay on point and don't go crazy with ADD and and get distracted. So, So, in conclusion... We're supernaturally empowered to foster these attributes. What's that mean? It means that everything that we've heard about the Sermon on the Mount, what we've learned about being good citizens, what what we've learned about living in community with each other, what we've learned about being in community with the world around us, that's the core of what Jesus wants us to understand. And if if it's important for us to understand that there's physical needs that Jesus meets and there's a role that we play in meeting other people's physical needs, which we do. We have a food pantry. We we meet their needs. Now we have, like, clothes happening and other things happening, and, and people have needed money, and we've been able to help. But at what point do we start crossing that threshold of saying, hey, let's really start pouring into their spiritual needs? And that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. I know it happens. I know that there are men and women who come out to the food pantry specifically to pray with people in the parking lot or to to talk to them here. I'm just asking, on a level, like a whole level, church-wide level, are are all of our intentions to be, hey, spiritually minded as well? Giving someone a bag of food is checking that box. Taking that step further to say, let me, let me pour into you what, what, how God has changed my life. Let me pour into you what this idea of freedom means, what, 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 what this, this power is, what it means to, to have joy, what it means to have peace. And I was talking with Jay a little bit about it this morning and thinking back on, on, on my dad before he came to Christ and, and truly understanding what that meant and how we were on this collision course to be another statistic. My dad was an alcoholic. And then he got saved and something clicked into his head and the Holy Spirit got right a hold of him and there was a difference. Like night and day. There's a reality to this. There is a, a supernatural ability for us to love. There's a supernatural ability for us to be generous and, and some folks are super generous. They can write a check or they can give their time, they can give their effort. It's not because of us on our own. It's the Holy Spirit is working In our lives, James writes to the church that every good and perfect thing is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. That means there's a confidence that we have that when we ask, we get an answer. When we're seeking, we're going to find. And when we knock, it's going to open and because there's no shifting, there's no, no hidden motives, there's no secret thing going on, It means that we can 100% stand in that and know this is God. More than anything else, we need to go to God. We need to, to, to realize He's our source of forgiveness. He's our source of faith, our grace, love, peace, comfort, all those things. And it's our turn to take it and show it to the world. Here's our, our big takeaway for today. The and then we're gonna stand and sing together. Here's the takeaway. Living with kingdom priorities is about seeing and understanding the true meaning of good things that God provides. And then it's intentionally pursuing those things and pouring them into the lives of others. When I originally wrote my notes, I wrote share with others. And I thought, that doesn't seem to do it justice. Because if God is willing to pour these things into our lives, like sharing to me, it's like, you want half a candy bar? Pouring is like, hey, take the candy bar. It's all yours. Just go. Do you see the difference between the two? Pouring things into the lives of others. Let's stand. Let's sing. And then we'll close. Oh oh, right So I want to challenge you as we leave today and you're heading out into your week real real simple things one I want you to, to challenge yourself to, to kind of stop and take inventory and, and really kind of see what gifts am I seeking what is it is it the temporary things? Is it the eternal things am I really seeking what the Holy Spirit's trying to build into my life? Are you searching are you looking for answers? Part of of that is is asking God to to change our hearts. That we want the good stuff. We we want those fruits of the Spirit. We want to grow in wisdom and knowledge and understanding. We want to grow in grace. We want to grow in love. Then it's asking Him, Hey God, what what do I need? What are the parts of my life that I need to change? What What are areas where the Holy Spirit's been pushing but I haven't really been responding because my focus has been here? And then once we start kind of getting these answers, let's be willing to, to, to take it and start pouring it into others. Maybe this morning you're you're here, you're you're thinking, you know what, I need forgiveness. I need I need grace. I, I, I have something broken between me and the person two rows over and three rows up, or or there's brokenness in my family, or 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 whatever it is. Like we want God to treat us a certain way. We we have that available to do other people. This is a good day to take care of that. This is a good day to start, like, hey, I want to seek God. I want to seek out what the Holy Spirit's doing for me. Maybe if you're here and you're like, I'm I'm at like the entry level of okay.
1: Maybe you're trying to figure out
0: what does it mean to be in a relationship with God? What is this Holy Spirit stuff? I'm confident that we have enough people in this room that can answer your questions. At the very least, we want to pray for you we want to know if, if there's anything that we can do to help strengthen your walk to help introduce you to this walk to get you into this relationship with jesus we're here for it let's get to good things let's let's bring the kingdom to the forefront let's, let's treat others how god's treating us and let let's finish this song and then Mike then closes some prayer. Let this let this be our challenge to seek what God really.
1: thank you for your holiness we thank you for who you are thank you for the good word we heard this morning once again your Sermon on the Mount does not disappoint (laughs) it does not does not lead us astray Lord it leads us to you ask seek knock Let that not return void in our lives. Let us not cease from coming to you. In spite of our circumstances, in spite of our situation, Lord, help each of us individually to continue or to begin running to you. Our highest highs and our lowest lows and everywhere in between. You are the God of all of it. God of everything. There's nothing you can't handle. There's nothing that surprises you. There's nothing that, oh, he doesn't want to hear that. He doesn't, he can't help me with that. No. Help us to stop lying to ourselves about who you are. Thank you for for being our Savior, our King, our Rock, our Redeemer, the Holy One. Thank you. Bless and keep us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.